We are in uh, our series on the book of Romans, almost done. I mean, I don't think I've ever done a series that's 15 parts. This is going to be 15 parts in the end, all right? And uh, you could probably spend a year on this book in the Bible's New Testament. If you're new to Christianity, this is a great book for you to read, really lays out the basics. Oh, by the way, if there are new kids, we take our time and get them checked in as best as we can, okay? Uh, pardoning any of the technological bizarre things happening today. Um, so it's a great book for you to read if you're new to Christianity. It lays down so many things. And when you get into these back chapters, and we're in chapter 15 today, it really gets quite practical. So he lays a kind of, of groundwork for like the first 10 chapters, and then he starts getting into really practical stuff. I mean, we talk about, joke about taxes. He talks about taxes. Imagine, first century letter to a church, he's talking about taxes, you know. There, there, there's so many practical things, and today is, is no different. It is one of the most practical parts of the book of Romans. I want to talk to you about the subject of endurance today, endurance. In particular, how endurance relates to your faith, okay? And this is out of Romans uh, chapter 15. If you remember, last week we were in Romans chapter 14, and the whole gist of that was what, if you remember? Go ahead and shout it out. That's what I thought. What's that? The spirit of? The gray zone. Good, good. That's right. Sometimes I forget my own thing. You're, yeah, I heard that. You, you said the gray zone. The, it's a black, I call it the black and white gray zone, right? When there are these areas of living, they don't have to do with doctrine per se. They have to do with how you live. And when people have differing opinions on this, how do you work that all out? When you're in this gray zone, you know, some people want it to be black and white, but it isn't always black and white. And how do you treat your, your, your neighbor, your brother, your sister in Christ, so to speak, when they have a differing view on a given thing than you do? And how do you work this out, right? And that's all of Romans chapter 14. And the whole theme of the chapter is this kind of accepting of one another in those kinds of differences. We're not talking about differences in matters of fundamental, historic Christian doctrine. We're talking about debatable, disputable, elbow room wiggling kind of issues, right? And so how, how do you handle this? He talks about acceptance. You're going to accept that person who has a differing view. You're not going to put a stumbling block in front of that person who has a different view. You're going to be careful how you behave in front of that person because you want to edify their faith. You want to build up their faith, not tear it down, and so on. And in that kind of uh, feeling of acceptance, he slips into the next chapter. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. This is deeper into Romans chapter 15, but still on the same theme, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And he's going to use this word endurance, and he's going to say, you've got to endure that person. You've got to accept that person. That's the immediate context, but 
broad context of this really cool verse. Everything written in the past. That's a lot of thing, folks. Everything that was written in the past, written to teach us. And I love this idea of the endurance taught in the scriptures. Now, when he's talking about scriptures, he's not talking about what we call the New Testament back in his time. When he said scriptures, he's talking about what we call today the Old Testament, everybody's favorite part of the Bible, right? And see, see this is the thing, is that people view the Old Testament scriptures with all kinds of opinions, you know. We, we Even Paul, at the beginning of Romans, he says that the law, and this would be the law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, he says the law is there to, in a sense, show you that you can't follow it. It's there to show you your own sin. If you didn't have the law, you, you wouldn't understand that you're a transgressor of it. So he says this is what the law is there for, ultimately okay. But here he broadens it. He says the scriptures are there to teach you. They're there to encourage you. There's an endurance, he says, that's taught in the scriptures. And that endurance gives you encouragement and gives you hope. Today, we don't look at the, the Old Testament scriptures that way, many of us, unfortunately. We look at it, we say it's a complicated, confusing bunch of rules, bunch of laws. God is angry. He, he, he seems harsh and so on. We say, we're, leave it over there. We live by grace. Ha ha. And we just leave it. Folks, if we look at it with this perspective, my goodness, there is so much that you can glean from the scriptures because they teach an endurance. I want you to think about that word endurance for a few moments, okay? When we, when the word in the, in the Greek that he's using, uh, it's translated most often perseverance in English translations. Then second on the list is endurance. Sometimes it's patience. So depending on what version of the Bible, you're going to see a different word there. But I like the word endurance and the version that uses that. When you think about endurance, tell me, like you've got two kind of scales here. When you're enduring something, someone, some circumstance, well, tell me, is that easy or hard? Okay, a lot, a lot of you, I didn't hear one easy. Okay, interesting. Is that simple or is it complicated? I heard one person say simple, but most said complicated. No wrong answers. I just want your opinion, okay? Endurance, think of this word. Is this fast or is it slow? Someone said, who said fast? More slows than fast. No wrong answers, Okay. I feel like I'm at the eye doctor. You see, which is it? The big one, or the, is it painless or is it painful? Oh, he said, oh, painful. said both. Okay, maybe it is both. But they're tends to, you're tending to lean on one side, aren't you? When you think of this word endurance, endurance. It's curious that in, in the New Testament, I don't think there's a better passage than this, but you actually have a passage, it's a full chapter, 
in the Bible's New Testament that kind of assimilates this and collects a whole bunch of stories of Old Testament people and their endurance. There's a whole chapter that's, that's kind of devoted to this, but we don't usually use the word endurance when we describe the chapters. Any of you have a guess as to what chapter I may be thinking of? Pardon me? Fantastic. Wow. You've seen my nose before. Okay. So he, Hebrews chapter 11, that was a fast answer. You have there a marvelous picture of this endurance. When you look at what Paul is saying to the Romans, the author of Hebrews captures it, but in a, in a bit of a different way, in a different angle uh, from Hebrews chapter 11. Now, while you're turning to Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to um, think about the word endurance in a non-spiritual way, okay, in a non-religious fashion. Um, I, I did a little experiment this week to try and do this, and my family and I, we, we're, we're active physically, we, we go to the gym, our, our daughter is, is, my goodness, she's been dancing since she was three. She's doing all, this, all kinds of physical stuff. My wife and I, we all go to the gym. There's a gym near our house. We don't go to the gym for entertainment purposes. We go, to the, we go there to survive, <laughs> okay? So you get to a certain point in life, and you realize, you know, the clock is ticking one way. You can't stop the clock, so you might as well try and be healthy at the same time. And so, so we're quite active, and when what I, or somewhat active, in my case, I'm a bit lazy. But what I did this week was to try and think of endurance and this theme of endurance in a non-religious way. And all of you can do this. So what I did was to, to, to go to the gym and kind of, you know, analyze what's going on. And a, a, good, a good exercise of endurance is running. When I, I started to run again many, many years ago and, you know, was just wiped out after like a kilometer, you know, on a treadmill or whatever. And now, of course, I can do more than that, but uh, it's, a good, it's a good lesson in endurance running. So, uh, and you can think of various things that relate to endurance that don't have to do with faith, but you're going to see that the principles apply the same way. So what the author of Hebrew does here is he's going to go through all these people in rapid fire succession. He's going to name all these people one after the other, okay? So I, we won't, this isn't an analysis of Hebrews 11. We'd be here for another 15 weeks. You know, you could spend all, spend months on just on Hebrews chapter 11. But I just want you to see just a few things that are common to all of these people who he's going to mention. He starts with just the, the act of creation. And he says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, this is what the ancients were commended for. And now he starts his list. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. So he starts from there. And then he goes into all these people. He goes into Abel. You know, by faith Abel brought, a, uh, brought God a better sacrifice. And you want to know all these stories, I've got the books 
uh, on the screen there. So he's going to go into Abel. He's going to go into Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he didn't experience death. Uh, he goes into uh, uh, Noah, you know, by faith Noah, verse 7, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. Uh, by his faith he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is keeping with faith. And he goes on and talks about Abraham and the call on Abraham's life to leave his home and to go to a place that he didn't know where he was going. And this long journey of Abraham's life, and he talks about Sarah and so on, and you just read it and you start thinking about endurance, these people, and, and the things that they live through and the things that they experience, uh, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and then he talks about Moses, you know, that, so you've got Genesis, he marches right through really, really quickly, and then he slips, dips in and out kind of, of Exodus, and he talks about Moses, he talks about the Hebrews going through the Red Sea by faith, he talks about the fall of the city of Jericho by faith, and then he slips really quickly into the book of Joshua, he talks about Rahab, Rahab. Well, who was Rahab? Anybody know? She's a prostitute, yeah. Uh, and, and, and talks about her faith. Her faith, not only, she's not only talked about by the author of Hebrews, by the way, she's quite an example. And then he, he keeps going and he goes through all these different people. Uh, he's assuming his audience knows who these people are. Uh, you know, sometimes we have to dig back and say, well, who was that guy again? Who was that person again? But his point is not to try and detail all of the things of their lives, but he's looking for a common ground on all these people. What do these people share in common? Well, certainly their faith, but there are other things in this chapter that they share that are not often talked about, and they relate to endurance. He talks about some of the judges, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. He goes into David and the prophet Samuel. This would be First and Second Samuel as we know it today. And then he just talks about the prophets in general. That would be probably the major prophets we call today and the minor prophets we call today. And he just goes, he just sort of slaps all these people onto the page. Example after example after example. These are people who lived by faith. They lived by faith. They did this. By faith, they did that, and so on and so on. It's meant to encourage the audience to keep going, keep going, keep going. When you start running, you, uh, you, it's not that difficult. You know, when you, maybe you're running outside or you're just on a little treadmill like me, my little my little knees and ankles prefer a treadmill than being outside, and I'm a bit lazy, so you know it's easier that way. But when you when you start running, you you know you're, you 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 want to make sure you're landing properly. You want to make sure you're on the balls of your feet, or however you want to make sure you're not. You know you're trying to lay a foundation. If you're trying to run for a long time and endure. Then, you know, the first little while, first kilometer, first couple of kilometers, whatever, you're laying this foundation for yourself. How's your breathing? How's this? Everything. But you feel good. 
it feels fine. It feels like the pistons are turning, the legs are running, you know, it feels like a machine. There's no pain, right? Your lungs feel good, your shoulders feel good, your legs feel good, your feet feel good. You know, there's no pain. It's, it, you're just getting, getting, your, getting the, the body flowing and so on, and you're trying to lay this foundation. It's working, working really well. Uh, first common thought of these people in the book of Hebrews Curious, verse 13, all these people, doesn't say some of them, he says all these people, common ground, were still living by faith when they died. Still living by faith. Man, so they had really, they had been to the rodeo several times in life. You know, you look at these people and you look at their experience and you look at their ups and you look at their downs, you look at their wins, you look at their losses, and yet the author says they're still living by faith even when they died. Why? Didn't they experience all of these things? I mean, you walk through the Red Sea. So why do you still need faith when you die then? Why do these people still keep believing in something, even though some of them experienced things that were just unbelievably miraculous, powerful things, that, and yet they're still living by faith, even when they died, as if to say there's something else that they're still living for. There's something else that they're still looking for, and their faith has made it all the way through, from beginning to the end of their life, their faith stuck it out, and they've still got fresh faith even though they're, they just died. Their faith is still fresh. I know people like that and have known people like that, people who they literally, right to the end of their life, you can feel their faith, it's so strong. They're, they clearly have a, a lock on something that's beyond their life. They, they've believed it all their life, and they still have a lock on it, even though they're, 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 they're about to go. And then I know people, and they're not quite at that stage yet, otherwise I wouldn't know them, right? But they're, 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 their faith is so fresh. They're in their 90s, some of them. And their faith is so fresh, and they've lived through and run a long, long race, and yet they're still living by faith when they die. Folks, is that going to be true of you and me? Is our faith still going to be fresh and vibrant right till the end? Or are you just living for today? Get me from here to the grave, and that's it. As long as I can complete A to B, that's it. The rest of it, well, I'm not so concerned about. Or are, or are we living for something that transcends this life? It's, it's good to live for this life. But it would appear that the people in this list had a faith that endured and kept going, took them right into death and beyond, still 
living by faith when they died. I know you're looking at the next passage there. I'll get there in a second. But I just want you to see that first. Their faith stays fresh even right till the end. This implies strongly they had a belief about something that transcended this world, transcended this life. Here's a guy, he's running in front of what appears to be the Grand Canyon, quite a view. You get past, you know, a kilometer or two kilometers, depends on the person, and then you, you get, you, you start to get into the zone where, okay, now I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit of discomfort. There's some things that I've got to start to endure. Ah, I landed wrong on one stride. And it led to other things, you know. I've got to focus more on the way that I'm breathing now. Oh, there's a little bit of discomfort. It, it lungs are, you know, they're working a little harder now. Oh, I'm starting to sweat a little bit now. Oh, now I'm having a little temptation, little thought that I should stop. Who cares? No one's going to tell you anything. You're, you're by yourself running or whatever. If he stops, well... No one's going to say, oh, that's too bad. You know, the Grand Canyon is not talking to him, telling him to keep running, right? So you get to that point, and all of a sudden, oh, wait a second. Now there's some things that I have to start to endure. There's a little bit of discomfort. There's a little bit of pain. There's a little bit of sweat. There's a little bit of difficulty breathing. There's this, there's that. It's starting to, to come a little bit and starting to experience it. Second commonality of these people in Hebrews chapter 11, you dip down to verse 33 and so on. Very curious. You have some of them that experience what you could call a great victory, and some of them was the total opposite. You had some ups and you had some, some downs. So from verse 32, what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith on the, on the good side, you could say, conquered kingdoms. Well, that's, that's pretty powerful. Administered justice, gained what was promised at least in their immediate context, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, probably hinting toward Daniel, the prophet, who quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies, probably referring to the exploits of David and so on. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. I mean, that's some crazy miracle, folks. Extremely rare, even in the, in the Old Testament, very rare. There were others, though, on the other side. They didn't experience that, did they? There are others who were, and he gets into some hard stuff here, tortured, refusing to be released, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Probably talking about Christians there in the early, early days 
who wouldn't uh, uh, recant on their faith because of their belief in something on the other side. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. Maybe thinking of Stephen from the book of Acts, who knows? They were extremely graphic here, sawed in two. This is like R-rated stuff, really, really graphic. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Whew. You had some people who experienced great victory, incredible, miraculous thing. You had people also who experienced the other. You've got a little bit of both going on here. And surely these things had to be endured. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. The world was not worthy of them. Folks, when people think that Christianity is about you having a pleasant life, <laughs> a pleasant and successful life. That's why you become a Christian. Folks, that's not biblical Christianity, okay? That's not the Christianity being described here. It's not for, for people who are looking for an easy way, an easy life, a successful, prosperous, pleasure-filled, you know, painless life. This is not the Christian life, apparently, according to, to what this author thinks. There's something to be endured, and you learn that endurance by looking at other people who endured. So you've got some who experienced incredible, powerful things, and some who didn't. It's a bit like life. Here you've got a, you've got a, a marathon going on here, and this guy's smiling. I mean, it's not all pain all the time. He, he's smiling. Maybe it's because he's got his dog with him, and his dog is making him happy. You see the lady on the right? She's smiling too. Not so sure about the people in the back there. They look like they could be enduring a little bit. But life is like that. You, you do have moments where you, you see great, powerful things. You feel the sense of victory. You feel a sense of... of uh, you know, there's, there, there's a joy there. You're smiling there. When you run, you get to a point, they call, it a, they call it a runner's high. It usually doesn't last very, very long. But in a runner's high, and there's certain chemistry, they say, that, that happens there, you know, you, you, you get to a point where you go through a certain amount of discomfort, a certain amount of endurance, a certain amount of pain, and then all of a sudden, it's like it's really easy. It's like you're going downhill. It's like you've got air in your lungs again. It's like it, there, there's something that happens there, and they call this a runner's high. And the adrenaline is pumping, and there's a chemical thing that's going on. And runners, runners look for that. Endurance runners look for that. I don't get that very often. For me, it just gets to be endurance, 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 okay? But, but here, maybe this guy has a little bit of a runner's high. We're not sure. But life is like that. You get, you get these up moments. You get these down moments. But endurance, endurance, endurance keeps on going through all of these moments. And then you see the 
final commonality of these people in the book of Hebrews. This is toward, uh, toward the end of the chapter. These were all commended for their faith. And look at this. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Excuse me? These people who have this great, great, great faith, people who they believe right till the end, still living by faith right till the end, people who walk through the ocean, folks, like it, they experience these, these kinds of miracles, some of them, and yet he says, yet none of them received what had been promised. In the previous reference to this, it says, they only welcomed them and saw them from a distance. You know, I think of Moses, the guy who said, we're going to the promised land. Did Moses make it into the promised land himself, yes or no? No, no, he didn't. And by his own doing to a degree, in a sense, lost his temper. They, they drove him, they drove him, one person in this congregation jokes with me, and they say, they, say, they drove him to drink right? You know, half a million people minimum with all of their squabbles and all of their this and all of their that. And Moses loses his temper with the rock and the water, if you remember the story. And that's it. You're not going in, Moses. Joshua's going in. The next generation's going in. You're not going in. Here it comes. I see it coming. And that's it. His life is over. They did not receive what had been promised. Since God had planned something better, for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. In other words, they're believing for something beyond their own circumstance, beyond their own temporary thing. There's something beyond that they're believing for, that they're enduring toward. And that's what they were looking for ultimately. And God did not give it to them even though they had all this kind of crazy, exemplary faith, God still didn't give it to them. He's waiting, planning something better for us. Probably what he's referring to is this whole idea of the new covenant in Jesus and his kingdom and Ultimately, the consummation of his kingdom and the redemption of all things. This is probably what he's talking about here. But it's amazing. None of them, again, commonality with all these people, received what had been promised. None of them. And yet they kept on going and kept on believing and kept on enduring and kept their faith even until their dying day, all of them did that. You get to a place where you're running, and it's like it, you're enduring and enduring and enduring and just trying to make it to whatever goal your endurance run is set to. And you see this is a marathon here. You see all the water cups, you know, on the ground. And, you know, whoever this person is who took this shot... You know, they are, at, they are at that point. You know, I, if, I, if I'm doing really well, I can, I can go a 10K and, you know, not stop if I'm doing really well. But by, by 7, 8, 9, my, my arms are starting to tingle, okay? Do you know why that happens? That's because, that's because my legs are working so hard that, that my heart and lungs are saying, 
boy, this guy's in bad shape. He needs more oxygenated blood to his little skinny legs, and we don't have enough to go around, so we'll shortchange him on his arms because he doesn't really, he's not really using those as much as his legs. So we'll give it to his legs, and that's why his arm's starting to tingle. Right? And you're, you know, I'm running and running, and I can feel, I'm like, man, I'm preparing for this crazy sermon running, and ugh, this is not pleasant, you know. I got pain in this, I got pain over here, I'm breathing heavy. The people around are probably laughing at me because they can hear me breathe. It's like a little squeal when I'm breathing, you know. And they're probably laughing, saying, look at this guy, is out of shape dude, you know, and so usually I feel good if I'm on the, the little treadmill and, you know, everybody's dropping off and I'm still going, you know, and I can look to the left and look at the right and say, yeah, you all can go, but I'm the enduring Christian, right? But you feel that your body is like, well, boy, I need another drink of water, yeah, and I need to put on some pumping Christian music or my favorite dinosaur movie, you know, in my ears and watching on my screen. Don't look at how far you've gone because you'll get discouraged. You know, these treadmills, they tell you, even if you're running outside, you got all these devices, how far you, you've run, right? How badly you've run, right? How far you've run. Don't look at it. Don't listen to it. Got all these bad thoughts. Stop. Stop running. Stop enduring. Quit. Go do something else. No one's going to know. No, but I have this goal. I need to get to this goal. Oh, no, you don't need to. All these thoughts start coming into your head. You know, when you're a high-level athlete, a high-level athlete, most of what you do, most of what's going on in terms of endurance, it's all psychological. And high-level athletes will tell you that. Sean wasn't here today, but Sean, our, our guitar player, who's you know got the big muscles, well, those big muscles, that guy... That, that's a seven-time national, Canadian national uh, bodybuilding champion, okay? He doesn't compete anymore, but still retains that muscle mass. You should have a conversation with him. You want to learn about endurance, folks, and the amount of pain, the amount of endurance with regard to dieting to, complete at that, to compete at that level, to gain that kind of muscle mass, to be able to lift the crazy amounts of weight that that guy can lift, it's a lot of endurance, a lot of pains, a lot of soreness, a lot of hours, a lot of sacrifice. Uh, my daughter's in the room. I'll embarrass her a little bit, but it, she doesn't compete uh, anymore in school and stuff like that now. But she danced competitively for a number of years just as a, a teenager. Folks, the amount of work that they put dancers through... Ooh, the amount of pain, and I'm telling you, these kids who could, they could do anything. We went to these competitions, and we watched these kids. These are, like, these are like athletes, and the amount of pain, and the amount of time, and the amount of sacrifice, you know, that they go through. Uh, is Viano in the room? Not sure if he is, but our Cajon player, he happens to be a very, very good squash player. Very good. Just take a look at Viano up close. Is the veins coming out all over the place? You don't get to that without endurance, folks. There's an endurance. And what happens is that psychologically, oh, you stop, quit, give up. You start having all these thoughts in your head. It's all psychological at that point. And you got to keep on going. And you got to keep on pushing. And you got to keep on enduring. And in the case of these people, they kept on believing, folks. They're, they endured, endured, endured. And it's difficult, it's painful, it's not quick, 
It's not simple, it's complicated, and they endured and endured and endured because they believed for something, again, that transcended their, even their own lives, folks, even their own era of time. They're believing for something that they didn't even experience and they, they, they didn't even receive it, and yet they continued. And then he slips into chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, obviously referring to the people who he just mentioned. So he says, you've got all these people, and it's like a cloud. You know, next time you look at a cloud, especially clouds that seem to surround you, you know, you ever look at the sky and you say, I look to the left and there's clouds. I look to the center. I look to the right. I look behind me. It's like there's no break. It's like this feeling of being surrounded by clouds. You're surrounded, he says, by such a great cloud of witnesses. It's an image. He says, because of that, because you've got all these people who were able to endure well, he's trying to encourage his audience. He's saying, you throw off everything that hinders you. You throw it off. You're, you're running. You don't listen to that bad thought. You throw off. You keep going. Don't look at the clock. Don't listen to the apple telling you how bad your pace is. You know, Just keep going. You throw it off. And you throw off, in the case of the Christian, the sin that so easily entangles you. You throw it off, you throw it off, and let us run, he says. Using the, Paul uses the image of running in Corinthians. It could be Paul who's writing here. We're not sure, but he says, let us run with perseverance. It's the same word that's used earlier in the chapter. It's the same word that's used by Paul in Romans. You're taught endurance through the scripture. It's the same word here. Let us run with perseverance, with endurance, the race that is marked out for us. Why? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured, same word, same word as that's used in Romans 15. You're taught endurance through these people in the Old Testament. Same word, for he endured the cross. If you want to know what that was about, listen to the message from Good Friday, and you'll see all the nonsense that Jesus had to endure. Even beyond a crucifixion, folks. A crucifixion. All the nonsense that he had to endure with those with those keystone cop trials and the way that they treated him and all of the abuse that he took over and over and over again. And then he's nailed to a cross. As I said on Good Friday, he only lives for six hours on that cross. And then he's dead. Six hours. That is ridiculously short compared to what we know in the ancient world, people would be on those crosses for days and days. Jesus, six hours, that's it? What did they do to him that he only lasted six hours? How badly did they flog him? 
How badly did they treat him when it says the whole company of the Roman guard gathered around him and did things to him? What did they do to him that he only lives for six hours, endured the cross, scorning its shame? On the cross, it was a shameful way to die. It's not often depicted this way, but they were crucified in the nude on, on crosses. That's typically what we know about crucifixions, a shameful way to die, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. Consider him who endured, same word, such opposition from sinners. What does he do while they're nailing him to a cross? He says, Father, forgive them for they, they don't know what they're doing. That is insane, folks. To say that while you're being crucified, it's insane. You see the same thing happen to Stephen when Stephen is stoned to death. He says, he looks up, he says he sees Jesus in the sky, standing at the right hand of God, not even seated. Stephen says he sees him standing at the right hand of God. It enrages the people. It enrages Paul who's overseeing the stoning of Stephen. Stephen sees Jesus there, and he says, don't hold this sin against them, Stephen says. It's insane to say that. How does he have such faith? Because that's an enduring faith, you see. There's an endurance there. Consider him, Jesus, the ultimate example of endurance. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He has a basic, basic goal to this chapter, the author. Keep going. Don't lose heart. Don't quit. Keep on believing. Hold on till the end. There's a great cloud of witnesses that are kind of cheering you on. You've got to look at those clouds that surround you. They can't get away from them. They're everywhere. Imagine that's the cloud of witnesses that's cheering you on. Keep on running. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, you have to endure. Yes, it's not easy. Yes, it's painful. Yes, your, your arms are tingling. Yes, you got bad thoughts in your head. Keep on going. Those people did it. You can do it too. Whatever you have to endure, you can. Because you've got that cloud that's cheering you on. Uh, I, I think very, very recently, folks, and I, I see Marie-Josée in the room, and, uh, and her parents are here, and the loss, a great and, and terrible loss of, of Pastor Don Mann. In my view, he's part of that cloud, you see, part of that cloud cheering you on. You know, I think it was, I think it was on his birthday, if I remember the date correctly, that another great man of God went to be with the Lord, Charles Stanley. You've heard of Charles Stanley, many of you. Part, I believe part of that great cloud that's saying, hey, I live this way until the day that I died. I lived this way. I kept it going. I endured. You can endure too. There's a cloud of witnesses that's cheering you on silently. You can't hear their voices, but they're cheering you on. And they're saying you can endure. But don't kid yourself and say, well, there's nothing to endure. 
The Christian life is easy and pleasant and all of that. No, it isn't always, folks. You may get a runner's high here and then. Bless you if you do. But a lot of it is tough. It's the tough stuff of life that you have to grind through and that you have to keep on running through because you have a great cloud and because ultimately you have the greatest example of endurance in the person of Jesus who's interceding for you and who's helping you to keep on going and to keep on pushing. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to close in prayer at this time, and uh, any musicians you want to come and play, you can. But I want you to think of that circumstance in your life where it could be a series of things going on, and you, you hear that word endurance, and it's exactly, you're saying, I have to endure this person this job, this set of circumstances. I don't know what it is, but every single person in this room, without exception, think of that word endurance and what you have to endure. And I want you to, to bring that thing to the Lord as we close in prayer. Father, we come to you with all of our stuff. We learn from these people in the Old Testament who lived before us. We learn from those who, who uh, have lived with us, who we've seen them endure. And God, I pray that you would help us. You would help us to go through those circumstances. You would help us to hold on. You would help us to continue in the faith. You would help us to keep on running. Lord, may we feel and sense the, the, the presence and power of the Spirit of Jesus cheering us on. May we reflect on those who have modeled it before us. Lord, I, I pray for young people in this room, and even at their ages, there are things that they are they endure, God. I think of seniors and Lord, from the cradle to the grave, it seems, there's always something pushing against us, challenging us. Help us to take the hand of Jesus and walk through those things with faith, with encouragement, and with hope. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Remember to pick up your kids out in the hallway. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, just meet me in the front. Love to connect with you and get your guest card. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.
give me wisdom. You know just what to do, yeah. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you, God. Hallelujah, our God Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Forever all my days, hallelujah. Hallelujah, our God I will 